0: Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me today, I'm really really honoured by your presence. Um, I love doing this podcast, I love having this conversation with you, so thank you very much from all over the world. Um, I just would like to, to say that today is a dark day, it's a very sad day. Uh, it's not the easiest of days and I I think you know what I'm talking about, about uh, the murder, the gruesome murder and and butchering of, um, of an Indian tailor at Udaipur. Uh, I think his name, I can't get his name uh, correctly, Uh, I apologize. Um, Kahinya was his name, um, I think. he was a young man, a tailor, um, and he was butchered by two uh, Islamists. Uh, it, it was gruesome. It's it. I didn't watch the video, uh, but I, I read the news, and I, I just didn't have. Um, I didn't have the uh, force to do this to 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 see the video myself, um, and I. I it's it's just bone chilling and i'm going to take a few moments to just say sorry to his family for having to go to this sorry to the gentleman for who died who who taylor uh, i'm sorry that he um he 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 got away with this and um i'm not going to call out on anyone else but i'm just going to say that the journey towards freedom uh from these colonial invaders uh is a long one it's a long journey and it's going to take a very long time and it's going to it's going to be gruesome uh unfortunately but we have to be better than that we have to be uh we have to heal we have to join hands and we have to stand still and today's events just makes me want to be more um um Stand together and and more determined to be to be better, more determined to heal, more determined to for my freedom and the freedom of the Indian subcontinent from from colonial religions and the invaders. Uh, but we need to we need to take time to say uh, how sorry we are for to the gentleman's family for going through all of this. Um, uh, and I can't even imagine what they're going through right now. I cannot put myself in their place, um, but I I want to take time to send spend as much as energy to them, positive energy. And I ask you, all over India uh, and the world, if you're watching, send as much as positive energy to them uh, to heal, to to be to get out of this. Uh, Um, to to find a better life, uh, because they're going to be alone now without their father, without their son, without their brother. Uh, They're going to be alone and it's going to be a really gruesome journey. And to the young tailor I know life was short for you, and it didn't end the way it should have but i I wish you peace on your journey ahead and hopefully you will come back uh, to a better india um look over us from above wherever you are and um and look over the country that is is fighting for uh, a better life uh fighting to heal um and and help us f from wherever you are um and when you come back uh in your next life, to this land, uh, we will wait for you. We will wait for you with a better life in a better country, um, and and hopefully you can have a better second chance. Um, but until then, till we meet again, uh, stay safe, and 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 he and and again, we're sorry for your loss. Um, I I I don't have the words. I'm struggling to find words for this, but uh, I can't say that I did not expect this is going to happen. Uh, I I was sure this was going to happen because this is their way of life for the last 1,400 years. Um, having said that, I will bring you back to one important je- point in history. In 1926. Um there was uh there were many there was such agitation uh in uh, in in lahore in punjab uh it was jinnah bringing all the polarization to the subcontinent to lahore who and he wanted uh he wanted uh partition he wanted uh he wanted the entire punjab he wanted entire punjab entire bengal and assam to be given so there was a lot of polarization going on and um the similar incidents uh, have been happening in, in Punjab of that time, uh, and there was um, a publication Rangila Rasool talking about, um, sorry, uh, the Muslims were talking uh, really crap against the Hindu uh, deity, Hindu faith, he was diminishing, uh, demoning this uh, the Hindu faith, or the hindu Jirn, uh civilization. And of course uh, the Rangila Rasool the publication came out and um, the, it uh, sort of demeaned the Prophet. Uh, this uh, inflared uh, flames of uh, division and anger among the Muslims of the time in Lahore and uh, a young uh, a son of a carpenter, Elam Deen, uh, rose up and killed the publisher, uh, killed the author. Uh, he was arrested and um, sentenced to death. Um, of course, uh, the Muslims were flabbergasted that this cannot happen. Um, and um jinnah was called to fight for his case uh for his clemency uh, of course he did not win in 1929 he was uh hanged uh, he was hanged um uh, his uh, he uh, he met his death and uh, Iqbal the poet the famous poet said uh, he is. Uh, he, he, he wrote great accolades about this uh, the butcher who killed uh, the author of Rangila Rasul, and he said um, he said to them he said he wrote if I'm not mistaken, um, I you have done to the prophet. Uh, you have done for the Prophet, what all of us, including me, uh, cannot do. That means he's talking about himself. He praised the guy who killed the the, uh, the author of regular Rasul. And 100 years later, we're at the same point. We haven't changed one single bit. Uh, it's got worse. It's not got better. And it has come... Um, and and it's not going to change. Okay, 1,400 years later, it's not going to change. There is no change. And that's why we need history to understand, to learn, and to stand up and say, no, enough is enough. We're not taking this anymore. We're not taking this anymore. We do not have to submit to this. We do not have to appreciate this. We don't have to respect this ideology. It is It is absolutely not acceptable this is slavery this is submission this is colonial hangovers uh and this is absolute subjugation and uh of uh, of a people uh to this uh, ideology which is extremely gruesome and the opposite of anything that is sane um I'm a little bit angry here. Uh but the only way out of this is to heal, heal to knowledge, heal to having a conversation and to offload the data and the negativity that that it 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 Im- imbibes in you, not be uh not be uh, selectively uh selective amnesia and only re- remember the the sugar coating part. But uh yes, um to forget to, uh, talking about this as a religion. It's not a religion. When you call a spade a spade, uh, it's not, uh, you can heal. But this is not, this is not uh, any ideology, uh, none in my book, no Abrahamic ideologies are, are religions. But uh, again, that's a whole different topic altogether, uh, coming from an Abrahamic faith or background. Um, I, I know exactly what I'm talking about, but uh, it is what it is. So we're going to go right into some more knowledge, and we're going to heal. Um, now I use a couple of books and research for this uh, section, uh, should I say, for Indian history of independence. And uh, one of the very good books is Maulana Kalam Azad, India Wins Freedom, uh, which was published 30 years, I think, after his death. And the other one is um, um, Jinnah by Ishtiak Emma, the Pakistani Swedish author. Um, you're not going to agree with everything in, the, in these books, okay? Obviously, you're not going to agree. No one agrees with everything, but it's important to have... Uh, it, it's, it's a good read for a lot of information, and we'll go from there. So, 1940, Jinnah loses the election in um, in, parli- uh, in the provincial elections, and he knows he has to change strategy. There's, he's not going to win uh, anything uh, with the strategy he has. He has to go to the grassroots level, like uh, Mahatma Gandhi in the Congress, who... Uh, who he didn't like in the beginning, and who who did he didn't like and you know, Jinnah didn't want these grassroots movements, but he, he knew he had to do it if he had to. He had to win, and he had to use his trump card, and that was the Islamic card. And he did, from 1940 onwards, he used the polarization card, and he lambasted the Congress, he lambasted the Hindus, he lambasted anything and everything that came in his way, and he uh, polarized the, the the electorate, polarized Islam is in fear, Islam is in fear, uh, Islam is in danger, Islam is in danger, and he kept polarizing. And if you look at the situation today, uh, a constitution and independence never came, and, and it's Still does not uh, change anything. It doesn't stop the currents that form the wave. So this Waves, these waves of polarization and of fear that's going on, it has started with, uh, in 1940s by Jinnah uh, for his uh, request for separating the Indian subcontinent. Um, the polarization, polarization part, now obviously the anger started before, uh, the anger started with him breaking off from the Congress and not agreeing with the Congress. Um, but this particular polarization of Hindus versus Muslims started with... with um, partition, and it did not subside. It, it, stu- it, it continued in Pakistan, but you know when they say the pendulum, it swings to one side, it will always swing to the other side. The pendulum is not straight, uh, and so this is exactly what has happened. The pendulum has struck, gone to the other side, but it was put in motion by Jinnah, and the loss in the provincial elections um, uh, from 1940 onwards, um, he then now comes into uh, the full-fledged gear to ask uh, to use the Islamic card, um, and 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 thereby going from there onwards. Uh, now, what is important to understand in, in 1940, we have war on the in. Jinnah um, um, tried to use the fact uh, that. Uh, the scheduled caste and tribes and and reading population of india was had uh, were under the hegemony of of the congress the hindu congress as he would put it um, and without the uh, without the help of the british uh, all all hell would break loose um Kong uh, gandhi tried to talk to him but but to no avail um, now the British did not like the Congress. Okay, they did not like Mahatma Gandhi, uh, but they couldn't do anything because he was nonviolent, and he they, he they did not like Pandit Nehru. He thought they thought he was too radical, uh, left-wing socialist. He was influenced uh, by um, he was influenced by the Marxists, and they wanted to checkmate him, um, but they didn't find any other way. In 1940, in the war that broke out, the Second World War. Um, Jinnah was the only one who uh, used the Muslim League and and said yes he was for the war. Mahatma Gandhi was against the war, um, and all of a sudden they realized the British realized that they could use uh, they could use uh, Jinnah and um, against Nehru and so they pretty much laid out the red carpet for him until this point it was um and they used it. until this point they had only talked to gandhi mahatma gandhi and nehru but now they started using um they started using jinnah and uh, their ambition was to uh check use jinnah and the muslim league against the against the indian national congress uh not only to checkmate them because The Indian National Congress only wanted full-fledged purna swaraj, which is um, full-fledged freedom and self-governance for Indians. uh, But also, was a socialist. That means they could not; they would not have been able to keep uh, economic ties. They would not have been able to influence the economic the policies of the Indian government if they had freedom for um, for uh, alliance and for clout in South Asia. Uh, not only South Asia but um in um, uh, in uh, uh, for China and for Russia and the Soviet Union uh, they wanted to use their position geo the geopolitical position in in South Asia in India to checkmate uh, the Marxist uh, Soviets coming down and taking over uh, the area also against China and also uh yeah uh influence in the South Asian seas but uh if the Congress had won, then the British were not going to go anywhere with this with their plan. So they didn't want to leave. They did not want to divide India. That's for sure. Like uh, like as if uh, like the Congress has mentioned to us in our textbooks. But they definitely wanted to stay, and they me- they used Jinnah uh, against um, for their own requirements. Of course, Jinnah was very happy. He was the one who proposed it. Uh, it was not the British who proposed it, but Jinnah was the one who proposed it. Uh, for the simple reason is Jinnah wanted out, and you know, they each scratched each other's back. Um, and basically, that, that was it. Um, uh, Jinnah was opposing any suggestion at this point. Uh, any suggestion that happened was by the Congress, by Mahatma Gandhi, by Nehru. He was he opposed it. Uh, with all his guts, and even if it made any solution, any any sense, he opposed it because he did not want to. He absolutely had complete and total contempt for Mahatma Gandhi at this point. Um, uh, He wanted, uh, Jinnah was opposing any suggestion, to any settlement with the Congress for power sharing in a united India with the British. So at first they had wanted separate Muslim electorate, separate Muslim states on one side and Hindu states on the other side. But now he was opposing any type of power sharing basis um, to this to this matter. Uh, I want to bring you some very important things. Uh, Lala Rajpatrai okay. In 19 um in 1928, he wrote a, a, a letter. Okay, he wrote a letter. He was uh, the Hindu Mahasabha leader, and was killed after receiving lati charge blows um, uh, at the Lahore railway station. However. Uh, he wrote a letter to uh, Das to the Bengali leader Siyar Das and I'm going to quote that letter for you it's very important to say I have devoted most of my time during the last six months to study of Muslim history and Muslim law and I'm inclined to think that it's neither possible nor practical. Assuming and admitting that the sincerity of Mohammed, Mohammedan leaders in non-cooperation movement I think their religion provides an effective bar to anything of the kind I can hope that my reading of his Islamic law is incorrect. Um, and he adds, he goes on and, go, and goes on. Um, I do honestly and sincerely believe the necessity or desirability of Hindu um, Muslim unity. I am fully prepared to trust Muslim leaders. But what about the injunction of the Quran and the Hadiths? The leader cannot override them. Are we then doomed? I hope not. I hope you've learned your learned mind and wise head will find some way out of this difficulty. Um... So we see that uh, Lala Rajpatrai, who passed away in 1928, already knew this was coming. He 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 knew about this day. He knew in 19 in the 1920s that this day that we're living today has come and uh, was coming. Uh, and it was not it was not going to get better. It was going to get worse. Uh, so whichever way you took it, uh, definitely um, he he was he was. Um, he was not going to, it was not going to work with anything to do with uh, this abrahamic ideology uh, so he says i cannot i can only hope that my reading of islamic law is incorrect and nothing would relieve me more than to be convinced that it is so but it is uh, if it's right then it It comes to this that although we can unite against the British, we cannot do so rule Hindustan on the British lines. We cannot do so to rule Hindustan on democratic lines because of the fact uh, that there were 70 million Muslims um, in in India at that point. Uh, Should I say, um, yeah, um, that was the strength of Indian Muslims in the 1920s. Jinnah, Jinnah took a, a a stand against this, and he he quoted Lada Rajput Rai, um, and instead of invoking in rise interpretation of the Quran and the Hadith as proof that it was not his, um, his his personal opinion or, or personal opposition to nation building with Hindus, which mattered, but Jinha used this very clearly and said, it was the sacred scriptures of Islam that forbade any such attempt. That means there was no, never going to be nation building with India, with Hindustan, with Hindus, because the sacred scriptures of Islam forbade any attempt. So my dear friend, this was already in in, 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 the, in the pipes, so to speak. It was in the pipes, uh, the polarization of Jinnah uh, definitely, definitely, definitely brought about this day today. Um, it was promoted in mosques, in 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 uh, Muslim societies, uh, areas, villages, schools, uh, Aligarh universities, um, university, and it. You, you think that you know when you have politics. Uh, and and you go to politics you go to vote and, and the vote is over the next day you go back no you cannot go back you've polarized the electorate you you've us versus them and this is anywhere in the world and the next day nothing goes back the, the waves don't change the currents don't change so why would you how how would life change for the people on the ground uh, and you've set in motion another wave and it's going to take a whole cycle for it to go away so in 1947 it did not go away uh, obviously Pakistan continued with this rhetoric, um, completely continued with this rhetoric, and it the Mullahs on the Mullah Indian subcontinent also used this rhetoric, although to the back door, not to the front door, but to the back door. Uh, of course, they couldn't say it much. so. It continued, 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 bubbled, 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 and they kept the pot boiling, um, and and we've come to this day today. But it, it all started with this uh, with Jinnah, uh, his polarization in order to win uh, his point and 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 uh, and his um, institutionalize his contempt for Mahatma Gandhi and Nehru. Um, Again, this never started out with partition, it never started out with Pakistan, it never started out with polarization. It started out with a simple concept that Muhammad Ali Jinnah and Mahatma Gandhi did not get along at all. And from there, we have come to this point today, my friends. Uh, If Mahatma Gandhi would have got along with Nehru and and Gandhi, uh, sorry, and, and... Jinnah, we wouldn't be having this conversation, let me tell you that the conversation would be completely different. Jinnah um, was ascribing to Islamic injunctions of supremacy and binding authority which would then logically apply in all circumstances, including if when the state created for Muslims would come along. Um, so, he used this card big time and he used the supremacy of Islam in order to win uh, uh, free, win uh, d- divide, and, and, uh, divide and rule. And we say divide and rule was uh, f- by the British, but it was not. It was completely by Jinnah um, by and it was then, after to the back door, used by the British in order to get back at the Indian National Congress. Um, And Jinnah states... Uh, a present artificial unity of India dates back only to the British conquest and is maintained by the British bayonet, but the termination of this British regime, which is implicit in recent declaration of His Majesty's government, which will be herald, which will be the herald of the entire breakup and worst disaster than ever taken place during the last 1,000 years under Muslim rule. Uh, the Muslims uh, ca- in India cannot accept any constitution which must necessarily result in Hindu-majority Government uh, Hindus and Muslims brought together under the democratic system, forced upon the minorities, can only mean a Hindu Raj. Democracy of the kind, which was the Congress high command, is enamored, would mean the complete destruction of what is most precious in Islam." So uh, he was not going to allow Jinnah's narrative to win power because of the contempt he had for Nehru and Mahatma Gandhi. Uh, was not going to allow any type of uh, unity. It was a wedge through and through. And he used the Quran, he used uh, Islamic ideology, he used everything for... for partition, and partition was brought about, I will say partition was brought about by the factions, the factions and the fractions in the Indian National Congress. Uh, this is what brought about the eventual partition, that the the different factions could not get along together, they did not introspect, uh, they did not try anything, they did not apologize to each other, and that bubbled, bubbled, bubbled out of contention to give us uh india pakistan and to the place we are here today um so i will be back quickly won't be very long thank you for that i was just i just went to open the door um so the British had been considering a creation of a separate Muslim state in Northwestern Western India. Um, but it was nothing was concrete at this particular point. Nothing. Um, and that's very important to know, but Jinnah was all already on his way to asking for for Pakistan. We are past 1940 right now and, and his, Pakistan, in his mind, was 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 important at this point. Uh was already taking shape. Uh, he wanted it. It was no longer just two different states. So, um, um, Jinnah and the Muslim League, in short, at the Lahore session of the Muslim League, um, Jinnah's declaration of his politics of po- polarization and efforts to argue that to argue for a United India could be thwarted on the grounds of a separate nation's deserve separate states, um, and uh, he he went on to say many things. Um, Almost all groups of Muslim society in India saw in Pakistan a land where opportunities denied to them so far would be available. The students backed the Muslim League most of all because the educated Muslim class was lacking behind the Hindus and government and the Hindus behind the Hindus in government jobs and professions. Similarly, salaried classes supported the Pakistan movement, which to them was a movement of the underprivileged tragedy, uh, trade and commerce, even in Muslim majority areas were largely in the hands of Hindus, big landlords of the dominant group of League saw the interest merging stronger uh, to army personnel, uh, personnel and civil s- servants. Pakistan means rapid promotions and high uh, positions. Let me tell you, this was only a narrative, okay? Because it was not true. Even, even the electorate on the ground did not believe uh, Jinnah. Uh, no one believed Jinnah. Because he, he was absolutely alien to them. He didn't even speak the same language. He didn't dress like them. So he, at this point, he he, it was a narrative. He he wedged the narrative. He created a narrative, wedged it in between uh, the electorate and, and won his battle. I have to give it to him. Um, But he he was absolutely wrong. His narrative was was upside down. Uh, And one of the reasons, uh, and and I will tell you what it is, uh, Muslims were overrepresented in the Indian army, as well as the police. And But overall, Muslim backwardness was a fact, and so Pakistan appealed for them to, for many reasons. That Islamic backwardness is not because of Hindus. Islamic backwardness is not because of India, because of the British. It's because of their own mullahs and tullahs, and their own uh, orthodoxy and the society. It still happens today. It's, it's, not, it's not someone else. We don't go into their houses and say, well, okay, you, you have to do this and you have to do that we know on the indian subcontinent it's the the religious leaders who control the, the uh, communities it's not the state that controls the uh, communities and and the, the communities the, the the maulanas the mullahs refuse that their people will stand up and grow up and have a better life why because then they wouldn't be able to control their mind which is exactly the problem we're having today so th- they wanted the electorate. They wanted the Muslim electorate to stay behind and the backwardness was all because of their own society. Uh, But of course, uh, in order to get what he wants, uh, Jinnah tagged this to the Hindus and the caste Hindus and the caste Hindus and he went on caste, caste, caste. He never said Hindus only, he said caste Hindus, putting a wedge between the population. And here we go. Um, So this is basically what happened to him. Uh, In 1942, we have we come to 1942 uh sorry um, um now the only very important to know that only the muslim League was recognized as the party of Muslims in 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 india uh so Jinnah's strategy was to make himself the caliph, as I mentioned before, the caliph of the of the Muslims in India. He refused to let any one other Muslim leader speak for Muslims. He did everything to make sure the British recognized only him, and that was a very good tactic. I mean it was absolutely scumbag as a tactic. It was very below, below the belt. It was cheap uh, and uh, he he divided the Indian electorate, uh, not just Indian electorate, he divided the Muslim electorate uh, on the Indian subcontinent and he, a lot of Muslims blame him today for the problems even you know, today that uh, because he divided the electorate, um, the Muslims in India got weaker. Um, and, and and really have have taken the blow for everything that Pakistan has done uh on the Indian subcontinent, but he is very importantly taking a stance. he wanted only his voice to be heard about any everyone else. He did not even want to um speak to any Muslim leaders on in the congress level uh, and that was Maulana Kalamazal. He refused to have any conversation because then his his um his, his narrative would not work. His narrative would be null and void because all of a sudden you have a Muslim going against him and saying, no I'm, I'm not subjugated, which is what a lot of us are doing today. They're going minorities, minorities, the left is going minorities, minorities, when we're saying, wait a minute, we're, we're minorities and we, we don't have a problem, why you have a problem with us? So whatever polarization Jinnah used in 1947, my dear friend, uh, in in the 1940s, was used is being used today by the left. So the left uh, is really the Jinnah of the 1930s and 1940s. So whenever you see the left, you see their polarization. You see the victim card. This is the exact strategy that was used uh, by uh, the Indian uh, by Jinnah. In in the nineteen forties, um, and he got what he wanted. So blaming someone else as we do is is not going to work. Actually, um, he came about a strategy of also using um, Islam as the Islamic card, and his um, his slogan was, "What does Pakistan mean? La ila alila." Uh, La ilahi al ilahi. Uh, That was what Pakistan meant and that was the slogan. What does Pakistan mean? Uh, La ilahi il ilahi. That was his slogan Um, and it worked, I have to say. Um, The British government was very anxious to maintain peace and order in India and the viceroy at that point uh, lit in glow and colonial officers were Uh, anxious to contain the Indian National um, Congress menace." So the Indian National Congress at that time was considered a menace. Of course, you never heard that in our school books. Um, But they were an absolute, absolute disgrace, apparently, and and the British did not like them. Um, So basically, that was that um, when it comes to 1940s. Now, in 1942, Uh, Sorry, there is an important thing that I wanted to bring to you. Um, In 1941, the census of India, okay, says very clearly the total population of India was three hundred and eighty-three thousand, three hundred eighty-three million six hundred forty-three people, six hundred forty-three seven forty-five. It considered consisted of two hundred and six million, hundred and seventeen thousand. Approximate Hindus, um, out of which they were divided into different castes as, as they were put down. Um, and the Muslims were 5 million sorry, uh, total uh, the Muslims 92 million at that point, um, and the, the Sikhs were five million six hundred and ninety one. Uh so that was the um that was the Indian subcontinent, the um the census of nineteen forty-one. Um as far as the administered directly administered administered areas of India known as the British India was concerned, the total population of two ninety-four million uh compromised of Hindus, being hundred and fifty. Um the scheduled caste, tribes, uh, 79 million Muslims and 4 million Sikhs. And we know that in between in India were several princely states who were autonomous, who were self run, and they were in alliance with the British, but they were self run. Um, now, um, we'll bring you to something very important. Also, Dr. Ambedkar's position on Pakistan and on, on Islam. He said, Islam is a closed corporation. The Brotherhood of Islam is not the universal brotherhood of man. It is the Brotherhood of Muslims for Muslims only. For those who are outside the corporation, there's nothing but contempt and enmity. The allegiance of a Muslim does not rest in on his domicile in the country, uh, in in which in his, but on the faith of on the faith to which he belongs. That means the allegiance of a Muslim is to the faith and not to. Um, to to the land wherever wherever there is a rule of Islam there is this country in other words Islam can never allow a true Muslim to adopt India as his motherland and regard Hindu as his kid and kin and and kid uh, that is very very difficult to read I have to tell you that uh, because um, I grew up with Muslims and I see them so uh, loyal and and very very proud Indians um, the problem um and very very proud indians contributing to the indian society they are um you know I, I never had any problem with them i i thought they were fantastic and they still are i mean from every knock of life uh from sports to business to to every 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 walk of life they are very committed they are people like you and me There's no label. The label is put onto us by a colonial empire, by an ideology, by a group, by uh, various, various reasons, tribal reasons. And we are the same as each other. We're no different. There is no difference between me and the person next to me. We're all currents and waves. We go to the ocean, we see waves, and and those waves are us, and we belong to the same ocean. But the label is put on us, and the ideology comes with... uh, Empires and colonizations and feudalism, and I and I read and I was watching a debate on India TV, uh, and and the person over there, an ex-Muslim, says, "I always thought that Muslims were wrong and Islam was right, but today I say Islam is right." Muslims are right and Islam is wrong. So our problem is not with the person, our problem is with the ideology and that goes for every single ideology is the same, no difference. The person is not the problem, the ideology is the problem. A uh, very important point to make and I sort of came to the same thing myself um, from experience and, and, and from my own journey in life. Um, Ambedkar examined how the case of Pakistan was built by Jinnah and the Muslim League about the alleged oppression of Muslims under Congress ministries, and I say alleged oppression, and concluded that the accusations and complaints were grossly exaggerated, meaning the victim card. Um, He used overgeneralization, stereotyping Hindus and Muslims, and thus objectifying their differences in an antagonistic and irrespective irreconcilable contradictions. The differences and conflicts of the sect were very much part of Muslim historical and contemporary reality, as were the differences between religious leaders and Jinnah. But Ambedkar did not pay attention to those cleavages." So he was a Dalit considered Dalit and a strong advocacy in favor of division of India to to rid it of the Muslim menace, as Ambedkar put it, was intriguing because that would mean a radical increase in the Hindu proportion of the Indian state, which in turn would render Dalits more vulnerable to the upper class and oppression. Um, But um, Dalit Ambedkar, it said over here, was for partition because he wanted to get uh, rid of the Muslim menace. Ouch! that was really hard to say, uh, because I don't think he understood that we were part of the land. We're not part of an ideology, and whatever the ideology is put on us, it's the currents that form our waves, the energy field of, of the land, of the of this ocean bed, and, and the core of the earth is controlling us. You can't pluck someone from somewhere and put it to the another place, and that's why when you try to do that in a, in a stark uh, hurry, you have violence and you have war. Um, so, that was Ambedkar for you, my man, uh, my friends. Um, we go to um, Ali Gad Muslim University and uh, it, it was the bastion of Muslim separatism. okay And Jinnah's visits were always an occasion to deliver small very strong fundamentalist um, opinions. Um, and he obviously for him, every single thing in life of Hindus and Muslims differ. It's it's no use shunting one's eyes to realities. Among Hindus themselves, there are schisms and exclusive castes and subcastes. Between them, they make up a most undemocratic society, yet they have suddenly fallen in love with democracy. They talk about nothing else but democracy, in Bombay, recently a swimming bath on the seashore was open for the exclusive use of Hindus. They were not prepared to swim with Muslims, even in the sea. I do not want such ridiculous feelings of Hindus. I respect everyone's religious feelings. I'm only referring to those things to show how deep the differences between Hindus and Muslims are." Um, yeah, well, you guess what? Everyone has differences. Everyone has differences and we know now that Pakistan is collapsing, unfortunately. Um, you <laughs> His opinion was just a narrative. It was a false narrative to gain power. And it's the same thing the Congress and the leftist parties are doing today. It's a narrative for power. Their narratives never work because you need solid economics on the ground, you need solid basics, you need solid science, and you need to understand the energy of our, of, of who we are, the energy field, the dharma, and our duty to it. And that is what's the most important, because we are currents and waves. You can't change it to suit your narrative ideologies and narratives don't work and definitely not negative narrative narratives of uh, polarization and the victimhood and the h-word um, but that was what the Indian ecosystem is doing right now with the Indian National Congress and they've taken a leaf from um, uh, Jinnah's book. Uh, it's now called a Toolkit, and it's called, um, in Gandhi's, in, in, in the 1940s, it was called Civil Disobedience, uh, and they're doing their own civil disobedience, the Congress uh, License Raj, and, and they're using it. They have a toolkit and a template for this, and they will do it every nook sing- and corner. In 1941, Jinnah was even willing to 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 sacrifice uh, 20 million Muslims in the sense that he wanted, he said, well okay, well 70 million will go to Pakistan, but even if we have to leave 20 million behind, that means I want my freedom, I don't care about the rest, even if they die there, but I don't care as, as long as I got my freedom, so we'll sacrifice them, but we'll keep an eye on them and we'll keep pretending that we care about them, but we won't really care, we just want power. That was uh, my friend um, Jinnah you know, of the nineteen forties, um, and um, he even um, he even said or, or tried to say that Hindu Mahasabha and the Congress subscribed to the same ideology that was akhand Bharat, uh, and they were both fan- fanatics. Okay, so he they wanted, we know of Akhan Bharat, and the Congress was accused by Jinnah in those days for Akhan Bharat, and and the same Congress is now, uh, you know, lambasting the BJP for the same. Um, So, Jinnah didn't miss any opportunity to portray the Congress as a demon Uh, in those days. He portrayed the Congress party as a cover for Brahminic priesthood support for an unjust caste system as well as Japanese sympathizers in secret alliance with the Nazis. So basically, he he described the Indian National Congress as fascist. Gandhi was a fascist. He compared Gandhi to Hitler and Mussolini. He said Gandhi was a naked fakir. Uh, do you see a resemblance of this happening today? Today we're calling uh, the same the same uh, Islamic um, bastion is now calling Modi a fascist. So it hasn't changed. The labels are the same. The mental the labels have changed, but the mentality is the same. So anytime they want something, they can't get it out of regular fighting on their on their own harder and. Uh, energy and hard work, they'll pretend to be a victim, the victim card is used, everyone else is the fascist, and this has been going on since the 1940s. So what's new about this? Uh, that they're doing it on today's prime minister is, is, is nothing new, it's the same old, same old. Uh, they win in the short term, they cause chaos, they will blame the chaos on you, but they will, not take, uh, they will not take responsibility for their own actions, because they are superior and they are supremacist. Um, and hey, that was what it was. Um, so that was the 1940s, the beginning. Uh, then we come to the Quit India Movement, um, which was the biggest, biggest, biggest blunder that he, uh, Mahatma Gandhi did. Now the uh, war was raging on in Western Europe. Um, And the Battle of Britain was being fought. Uh, In the East, we had the Japanese advancing uh, rapidly. Uh, The British stronghold of Singapore fell. Uh, Britain suffered a major humiliation in 200 years and that to the hands of uh, a a perceived uh, Asian country. Uh, The Japanese aircraft had bombed eastern India, including Bengal. but uh, but Mahatma Gandhi was 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 uh, um, had promised uh, was threatening what we call as um, Quit India Movement. We studied this in school. Uh, it was uh, civil disobedience through peaceful swaraj, uh, peaceful satyagraha, um, and the small scale small scale civil disobedience. Um, individual Satyagraha's um, I wouldn't say revolt, but a peaceful peaceful movement uh, transfer of power from the British to India. Uh, Of course, this mass movement always triggers emotions and could get into anarchy. So the British jailed all the uh, Indian National Congress leaders Um, and that set about wheels in motion. Uh, The field was free to be played by by Jinnah. Jinnah and his Muslim League was never put into prison because the British supported uh, Jinnah And the British supported Jinnah against the Indian National Congress, uh, because they did not like the Congress. They thought they were radicals, left-wing radicals, and they wanted to stay in India as long as possible, for at least for another 30-35 years, uh, to fill their coffers, because um, their coffers were absolutely empty at the end of the Second World War. So they needed India. a lot of people uh, were against this Quit India Movement, that means the Indian Muslim League uh, was against it, Hindu landlords, princes, the Hindu Mahasabha, uh, the RSS, and a lot of institutions were not uh, happy with this, um, and were not were against the Quit India Movement. Um, but once the Indian National Congress leaders were put in prisons, um, then it was non-stop polarization by by Jinnah from the nineteen forties nineteen forty two and he could say what he want he could go where he want he could do what he want um, and and basically the Congress could not reply the the, the field was there was no one there to uh, to to take charge because the leaders were in prison and. Uh, Jinnah used this time to convince the electorate that he was going to uh, win Pakistan, and he did. Um, As I was saying here, um, Jinnah depicted on during this time Gandhi's life as a classic epitome of Orthodox Hinduism, fundamental belief in caste and caste hierarchy. and said that uh, he was a fascist. He he compared Mahatma Gandhi and the Congress Party to the Fascist Party of Italy, Nazi Party of Germany, the Communist Party of Russia. Isn't that great, my friends? So he... He at this point he wanted Pakistan completely, he did not want a loose federation either. Um, he said, Remove from your mind any form of loose federation. There's no such thing as a loose federation. There was where there's a central government and provincial governments, they will go on tightening and tightening and tightening until you are pulverized rega- with regards to your powers and units, which is not far from the truth, which is, happens all the time. You form a nice loose federation and then they bring in the laws and the laws and the laws, and before you know it, you you are stuck in, in something that you will you, you didn't bargain for, which is exactly what the European Union was about. It was a loose federation. Now it became full of powers. People took over power. You couldn't do this, you couldn't do that. You had laws and um, it became a suffocating union. That's why we had Brexit, which is how it, it forms, like a jalebi. And Jinnah uh, was really correct at this point. Um, the the British were absolutely loving the All India Muslim League at this point. Absolutely loving. Uh, we come to the Bengal fam- famine. Um, now the Bengal um, was um, under the Muslim well, was under government by the In- All India Muslim League. Okay, so it was not uh, it was not ruled by uh, anyone else, but the All India Muslim League government under. Um, mu Naz- Nazimuddin was in power in Bengal at the time there was food shortage okay um, because crop failure but it was also the distribution policy of Winston Churchill so we learned in school that the Bengal famine was all about all uh, because of the of um, the the British Raj and and they want to to do away with the, you know, the they didn't care about Hindus dying, uh, Indians dying, but it was a joint. Everything is is two-sided. There are always two sides to a coin. We were never told about the other side. Um, so it was, it was um, Nazimuddin, the Indian All India Muslim League, who was in charge. Um, he wanted, it says he wanted to supply rice to other parts of the empire, uh, Winston Churchill, instead of listening to his, the pleas of his minister. Um, Wavell, uh, Lord Wavell tried to help, but he received uh, no assistance um, from the establishment and he wanted to dismiss the Muslim League government under N- Nazimuddin, which had proved to be completely incompetent and overruled, but he was overruled by London. So Lord Wavell tried to help at this point, uh, did not work. Uh, but it was um, the failure of the Muslim League in Bengal and the British Raj together that absolutely brought about the famine of Bengal. Um, and we know how many millions and millions of people um, died. Of course, Jinnah um, complained and, 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 and uh, pointed fingers at the British completely, and so did 70 years of the Indian National Congress. Um, so, uh, we come to um, a very important point. Um, the Quit India movement is now in full force. Um, Satyagraha is in full force. Uh, but it doesn't. It cannot help anyone. And the the leaders of the Congress are all within uh, in jail. And and basically, there is there is nothing they can do about Jinnah taking over. The rhetoric, the narrative, the moment momentum is all in his favor, and 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 he he wins. He absolutely wins. Um, uh, the elections. The Similar Conference is held in nineteen forty five. Uh bring about different parties all from the Indian subcontinent, different the small parties, the big parties. But the Hindu Mahasabha was not invited. And after the Simla Conference, uh like it was sort of brainstorming session, uh, Lord Weywell says, um and I quote, Jinnah is narrow and arrogant and actually maintained by fear and distrust and is actuated by fear and distrust of the Congress. Gandhi is constitutionally incapable of a friendly cooperation with any other party. Azad is an old-fashioned scholar with pleasant manners. His, man, his main objective is to even to get even with Jinnah and the League Muslims who despise him and and a paid servant of the Congress. Uh, Nehru is uh, an idealist, and I should say straightforward and honest, but devoted most of his life to agitation. He is probably not very practical, but he was more likely to make friends with the Muslims than any Hindus leaders I've known. Um, This is a skating overview of of the leaders of that time. Uh, The only one who gets a really nice uh, let-off is uh, Azad, uh, but he's old-fashioned. And and basically, that's it. Um, There was another gentleman who was against uh, Pakistan being created, and it was uh, Maldudi. The All India Muslim League was against Pakistan. Sorry, the jamat Islamia was against Pakistan being created, and Maududi, um also was against pa- Pakistan. Um, and he won. He called it in. Jinnah called Pakistan the pure land of the pure. He called it not Pakistan. That means land of impure. Isn't that great? Um, so. All during this time, Jinnah continues his polarization, stereotyping Hindus as bad, uh, treacherous, um, and he would relish every single opportunity to 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 uh, instigate and, and uh, polarize the electorate. Um, a, a combination that has has continued even till today. Um, he told people in, in Baluchistan, Pakistan means partition. It means you must take Hindu provinces of yours and leave our Muslim provinces where we want to establish our own government. So, this was Jinnah during his polarization drive. He even had spies on ulema who were aligned with the Congress. Um, so, and obviously, he also said, uh, as long as I shall live, I shall not allow a single drop of Muslim blood to, to flow. Which was ridiculous because there was a genocide um, in, in for partition. Uh, he used the rhetoric: "Islam is endangered. It is uh, has now been preached. Islam is endangered. Was preached by all the advocates of the League everywhere. The copies of Holy Quran were carried around as an emblem pe- peculiar to the Muslim League." Um, the, the Aligarh Muslim University in the United Provinces who came in large numbers to volunteer for this Muslim League um, the the orators had become very fanatical uh, the Malloes and and fears what and students were traveling all around the place uh, to vote for the Muslim League candidates um, and they pretended that um, they will the locals would cease to be Muslim if they did not uh, if they did not vote for the Muslim League they Marriages will no longer be valid, and they will be excommunicated. Um, this this was a rhetoric at that time. This is what they were saying, and this is exactly what the mullahs are saying in the mosque today. Exactly what the mullahs are fear that is going on in the mosque, the stoking of fear uh, in order to get the um, the electorate to vote for for uh, for the Indian National Congress today, uh, which is going on. I'm talking of today. Uh, I'm sorry. It's still going on. It hasn't stopped. It hasn't stopped one single bit from from the 1940s, and it has to be said, it's continued uh, only to keep the electorate in a, on on a. Pot boiling of fear uh, stoke the emotions, and so they always live in this motor fear, and they vote only for uh, the people suggested by the by the ulama, and that is the Indian National Congress. And because we're no longer voting for them, because we're the the hangover of colonialization has gone off. Um, Uh, Of uh, Abrahamic colonization has gone off. Now they have uh, uh, resorted to this polarization even again. And of course, saying it only started from 2014. No, it started in the 1930s and the 1940s. Uh, I'm sorry, we're coming almost a full century. Um, So that is what it is. and the, the the song was Muslim League, Zindabad, Pakistan, Zindabad. Uh, in the name of Muslims, the time for your test has come. It's a battle of righteousness versus falsehood. And you have to choose between the deen and the dunya. So I'll just go to it briefly, the deen or the faith. On one side is your belief in the Almighty and your conscious uh, righteousness and faithfulness are on one side. On one side is a rightful cause. On one side has Pakistan for you. On one side is a problem of saving Muslims from slavery. On one side you have to bring together all those who recite the kalma. On one side you have the Holy Muhammad and Ali. And on one side uh, the consideration of unity and brotherhood of all Muslims. On one side are lovers of Muslim League and Pakistan. And on one side is the honor of the green banner. And that was the the, the poetry was sung. Um, It worked, actually. Uh, The elections, however, were held, and the Central Legislative Assembly elections were held in 1946. The Congress won 57 votes, um, Muslim League 30, Independence 5, Akali 6, 2, Europeans 8, and total 102, and in 1946 provincial elections. this was in the directly British administered areas. Um, provincial elections of returns for the Muslim League. Uh, Assam, 34. Uh, out of 34 seats, they won 31. Bengal, uh, out of 122, they won 116. Bihar, out of 40, they won 34. So they uh, were all. Um, on their road to victory. In Bombay, out of 30, they won 30. Uh, central provinces in Bihar, uh, 13 out of 14. Madras, 28 out of 28. Northwest Frontier provinces, 17 out of 38. Orissa, 4 out of 4. Punjab, uh, 75 out of 88. Sindh, 28 out of 34. And UP, uh, United Provinces, uh, 54, out of uh, 54 out of 66. And my friends, uh, they were um, on their road to victory. Uh, cabinet mission plan was then formed in order to decide um, the future of the subcontinent and really it was a controversial and, and, and confusing time. Jinnah um, did not want to share power. Okay, um, he he was not willing to share power. Uh, the plan did not work. Uh, there were threats of civil war. Jinnah um, continued. He wanted Pakistan. He did not want to share power. Jinnah um, uh, said that uh, to to Vevel. at this point, Lord Wawel, he was willing to face any consequences but not willing to compromise. Um, he finished by saying that the only thing to do was to settle the fundamental issue that was Pakistan. And he rejected the British claims at this point, and Wawel's claims, uh, that he was a party of Nawabs and British Tories, saying that the elections showed that Muslims were solidly behind the, the league. Um, And he he threatens civil war. Um, At this point, he's threatening civil war. Um, And he says, if the British government is going to put Muslim India on the test of bloodshed, and is going to repeat uh, history that they have learned no lesson, and if only the argument which will convince them will force Muslims to resort to the last course. And so far as trade is concerned, it is not realized that the largest consumers of British goods are Muslims. Uh, it was just ridiculous, um, absolutely ridiculous. Um, there was a cabinet mission that came to India. We know that. Um, uh, um in nineteenth on nineteenth of February uh, we also had the, the Crips mission um, that came to India the Cabinet mission came in nineteen forty six um, and it was to 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 look at the transfer of power uh, from the British to the, to India, uh, from from, the from the British to, it was, to look at the cabinet mission plan was to look at the transfer of power from the British to India. Um, the, the league, the Muslim league had, one wanted absolutely, uh, Pakistan, but, um, the plans were not going very well at all. Um, the cabinet mission plan was not going to give in to Pakistan at all. They did not want to, um, they did not want at that point to split India into any format. They were still looking at uh, loose federation with, uh, within the British dominion and the British on the top as the governor uh, and, and head of the administration. Um, Jinnah's statement uh, in in on the 11th of May basically said Muslim provinces uh, to be grouped together. They must appoint their own constitution-making body. Provincial governments will deal with other matters and will have residuary powers. There will be separate constitution body for Hindu groups. Um, the Muslim and Hindu groups will separately frame constitutions uh, for the group. Each province will have the option to opt out of the group. Each community in each province will be properly represented in, in the group and in each province within the group. That was confusing. The union will be limited to three subjects, foreign the uh, affairs, defence and communications. Its financing will be decided by joint Uh, meetings for two constitution-making bodies. Um, uh, No major point in the Union Constitution which affects the communal issue will be passed unless a majority of representatives of the Hindu-majority provinces and Muslim-majority provinces are present and voting separately separately in its favor." Uh, The Congress also had points for this um, on the basis of uh, the Captain Mission. It's too long to go into, but uh, basically, the solution offered by the cabinet mission plan was there should be a union of India embracing both British India and the princely states, which would deal with foreign affairs, defense, and communication, and have power to raise finances required in the areas of government, three areas of government activity. All other areas of policy will be vested in the provinces. The princely states would retain all power other than ceded to the union. The provinces would be free to form um, each and within each group forming their own executive legislatures. The constitutions of union and of groups should contain the provinces whereby any province could be a majority vote of the legislative assembly. Uh, Representation should be given to three groups. Hindus and others, Muslims and Sikhs in the provincial legislature. Three sections of groups would be constituted by provinces. Uh, group A, Hindu majority provinces of Madras, Bombay, and the United Provinces of Bihar and Central Provinces of Orissa. Group B should be Muslim majority provinces in Northwest. Punjab, Northwest Frontier Province, and Sindh and Group C should be should include Muslim majority provinces of Northeast Bengal and Assam. Um, so they wanted to group Assam together with Bengal. Uh, it was calculated that in the Constituent Assembly consisting of three eighty-five members elected by each provincial legislator of three groups, uh, general seats would be. Tw- 210 Muslim seats, 78 and princely states would have 93 seats. Several causes of the clauses of the Constituent Assembly, which would frame a constitution for the federation, were taken up. Um, uh, Of course, Jinnah was not very happy. Um, The Congress was not happy. The Sikhs were not happy. Uh, No one was very happy with this. Uh, because the Congress absolutely wanted um, the Congress absolutely wanted um, the British to leave and they wanted to rule they wanted to be the sole rulers of the, of the kingdom of, of of India as I like to call it uh, Jinnah wanted Pakistan and the Muslims and, and the Sikhs were in between uh, of course then there was also the the question of the uh, princely states what were going to happen to the princely states um, So there was an interim government going to be formed. Um, um, There was there was an interim government going to be formed. Uh, Jinnah did not want to talk to Azad, as I said, because he was another Muslim, so he would not be able to sell his narrative to another Muslim. Uh, Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi, wanted Nehru and Jinnah to meet to decide and form the coalition government. In the end, they gave in, and the coalition government was formed. Um, and it was said that the defense portfolio to be given to the Muslim League in in the government, uh, and he himself decided to serve uh, and Jinnah was going to serve as the constitution making body. Um, The viceroy at that point wanted a non-league member to substitute for caste Hindu. and it was, it was really... Uh, the matter was who was going to be chosen for the interim government. Um, and this is where things turned for the worse and it went downhill from there. And I'm, I'm going to bring to you one very, very important point at this point. Uh, the interim government um, gave portfolios to different, uh, the d- different uh, members of the Muslim League, different members of uh, the Congress. Um, And um, he wanted, and and it was suggested that uh, the Congress take the finance portfolio, but Savdar Wallabai Patel insisted um, on the home portfolio. Maulana Azad went berserk. He did not want to give the the finance portfolio to the Muslim League. He he stated very clearly. He said, "If you give the finance portfolio to them, anything you want to do, you need to ask them for money, and they're not going to give you the money. And if they don't give you the money, you cannot do anything." But why? So, what's the use of the home portfolio? But uh, Sardar Patel um, insisted on the home portfolio when he was given the home portfolio. Uh, Jinnah and the Muslim League did everything to stifle uh, uh, the Congress and, and block them in every single angle, refused to cooperate with them and without the cooperation of the Muslim League and the and the money, they were not they were nowhere. But we couldn't go back at that point and that is when they realized that part partition was inevitable. Um, That, my dear friend, bought about partition. Uh, At that time, if you look at uh, Maulana uh, Kalamazad's book, he said Nehru knew the writing was on the wall. It was a drastic error to give the finance portfolio to the Muslim League. Uh, He was furious. But there's no way uh, anyone could do anything. Sardar Vallabhyay Patel said, yes, uh, now we're going to have to give it to the league. Uh, we're going to have to give it for Pakistan, India, uh, United India is over. Uh, Maulana Azad thought that at least Gandhi would uh, stand with him and say, no, we're going to still fight for United India, but even at that point, Gandhi knew Mahatma Gandhi knew the writing was on the wall, um, and uh, they were going to give in. He, Gandhi, at that point, also gave in to uh, to a divided India because he knew, with the finance portfolio in the hands of the Muslim League, all all was said and done. So even Mahatma Gandhi was not the last man standing for a united India. It was Maulana Azad who was the last man standing for a united India. Not Nehru, not Jinnah, not uh, uh, Patel, no one. It was Maulana Azad who refused to give in to a divided India. Uh, he's, he 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 held on to a, a united India. Till the end, he was the last man standing. I wish he was a prime minister If India. We would have had a better country. Uh, I, I'm, I'm saying this with all my heart. Um, a lot of people say Sardar Patel, and they each did a lot of things individually. They made some mistakes, um, but anyone would have been better than than Nero. Um, uh My dear friend, that led to to great killings of uh, Calcutta. We know that the direct action day was called in uh, by by um, by by Jinnah uh, in. Um, in August, 15th of August, um, and it just went berserk after that. It was civil violence um, that was called for, ethnic cleansing that was called for by Jinnah um, and what is known as Direct Action Day. Um, and uh, it was a massacre. I'm not going to go into it because it's very very hard. Uh, I have family on both sides uh who were in Bengal and who were on, on in, in in uh in Sindh and it was a nightmare on M Street and my, my hair standing up but um to think what they went through um I cannot I cannot uh go back in time and say anything about it. Uh yes I do have family. Uh I I had family, obviously there's no one there anymore, on the Bengal side and the partition on the Sin side, Uh, not in Punjab but in Sin, and my parents came from there. We were originally going, but my grandparents went to Sin to to work, and and, uh, my parents were born and brought up there, and uh, one came a little bit before partition, one came after partition, but they came to this area in this time, and it was very, very difficult, a cauldron of, uh, of, uh, I don't even know, bloodshed, but... I can imagine the trauma that they left behind. They they, they brought with them, and the and the war did not stop. The trauma continued and it, it, it invaded our childhood. And uh, yes, effectively. So this is the part where uh, the violence takes over. Um, it started in Bengal in Bengal on the fifteenth of August. By March, by May, uh, March. Sorry, it started in 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 Punjab. It was a massacre. Um, Um, absolute massacre. And um, yes, effectively um, all went downhill from there. The British tried to keep the cabinet mission plan going. They tried to keep uh, the interim government going. They did not want to give up. They did not want to divide India. Uh, Very important to note, the British did not want to give up India. It was not the British who who broke India in the end. It was uh, the infighting of the Indian National Congress and then finally Jinnah. But by 1947 um, all was done, absolutely all was done, and the violence brought about the eventual decision to partition India. Um, It was supposed to be in 1948, but because of the violence and the ethnic cleansing, it was brought down to. Um, uh, it was brought down to to uh, nineteen forty seven. The direct action which Jinnah had threatened for the whole of India had initially resulted in the communal rioting of Calcutta in 1946. The Muslim Direct League action had not been put into effect in Punjab at that time. Finally, it broke out in Punjab in sorry January of 1947, um, and it was then um, when Kir- Kir- uh, the Kiris, he was one of the leading. Uh, uh, Sikhs at that time, K-H-I-Z-R, in pre bid to prevent communal violence spreading to Punjab from Hazara, banned militing wings of the Muslim League, the Muslim League National Guard and the RSS. Um, as you know, uh, each group had its private armies. Okay, So these primaries armies did what they wanted and they were incontrollable. Just like the Zamindars, because this comes down, these private armies come from the Zamindars time, when, when every Zamindar had his own little army. And it continued because the Zamindars were still there. So they were used instead of fighting for land now, they were fighting for a state. Uh, they were fighting for land, but a bigger land, not just a little Zamin. Um, and so those armies were used for uh, the bloodshed and the ethnic cleansing during 1947 and 1946. Um, it's finally announced that uh, Congress also agreed to the partition of, of Punjab because they were against the partition of Punjab. And, and finally, uh, it was done um, in 1947. The British left. Uh, power was transferred um, but one thing I I, I uh, went through the notes and speeches of Jinnah and one of his very first speeches in, uh, in on 14th of August 1947 uh, in Karachi he says we won independence with not a single drop of blood shed um, blood being dropped or being spilt over uh, and I was flabbergasted. I said, there was a bloodshed going on in your backyard. What blood are you talking about? When when were you going to acknowledge that? So basically to say that, look, we've come around 100 years and they're still not acknowledging anything. They're still acknowledging that they are a peaceful group of people and it's always the big bad Hindus, the caste Hindus. Um But yes, effectively, that was what it was. 1947, we get uh, so-called independence, or the myth of independence, a transfer of power from one group to the other, but the people on the ground really, really didn't get anything, although it was a very tough time for everyone, I can imagine. Trauma doesn't stop there. Violence doesn't stop. It continues in your mind and your mind keeps uh, the trauma continues and the cycles and the cycles of trauma go into your home and the entire subcontinent suffered. And we are still suffering today and especially those who were caught on both sides of the divide. Unfortunately, it is what it is, but that brings to an end uh, a very important uh, junction in, in history of the Indian subcontinent. My friends, we cannot change back time. We cannot go back into the past, but we can heal and we can be better and we can learn from the past and what we can learn and what we can go forward, what we can do, what we can undo, how we. How the rhetoric still holds uh, firm today, why the rhetoric was put in place. It was not put in place to divide Pakistan and India. It was put in place by few men who were absolutely arrogant and refused to get along with each other. So it's important um the social cohesiveness is important. It's important to remove the labels and understand that at the end of the day we're still currents and waves. We're not human beings and we have to offload these labels. We have to look inside the Atwa, all that lies in between, and we can still be one. We don't need the labels. We do not need the ideologies. We need to be just human. because we're entire cosmic field. We're all the same from the flowers, from the plants, from the humans to the different species of life. We are exactly the same. Uh, Atwa, all that lies in between. And by rooming those labels, we will heal and we will get off the colonization of our mind, the occupation of our minds, and we will lead to a better uh, subcontinent days to come and the years to come. On that note, I take your leave. Um, please have this conversation with your friends. Go back in time. Understand what happened and how these, these cycles still trickle down today and are being used by politicians uh, and the ecosystem on the ground uh, to run their agenda. So I thank you for your time. I wish you peace. Uh, say a little prayer for the gentleman who was killed in, in Odaipur and his family. And if you can send them any money, I'm sure they will be happy to have it. And until then, take uh, please...